Let's get it going. Another edition, and we wrap up another week of midday here on the Rural Radio Network. How you doing today? There's Scott Foster over there, who hello, is hello. still uh, trying to find all the pieces that blew away in Gothenburg. Well, yeah, there were there were a few, and and I had to go aways uh, yeah. to find some of them. But uh, I think they've been. We'll see. They may come up later in Kansas. I'm not sure. All right, let's head up to Worms here, where we've got uh, Shaley Peters. Did you uh, have any wind up that way? We had some wind, not Scott Foster wind. Yeah. I had to laugh. You know, people post about looking for their dogs. Scott was looking for his tool shed in his pool this morning. <laughs> Driving around the neighborhood, good vibe. Antiem, Antiem. Putting up signs. <laughs> but we did get some rain, which we were all very thankful for. We had about 30 hundreds here in the Worms area and uh, settled the dust. Not that to happened. be left out, let's ask Bob, did you, what did you get in Lexington last night? Anything for you? Well, lots of rain um, and uh, apparently a little bit of hail and so forth and uh, some damage here and there, but nothing like uh, what Scott had. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be getting the reports, of course, in on your news on your rural radio stations. Let's uh, turn it over here quickly to Shaley to find out what the ag folk have been up to today. And uh, you've been a busy, busy reporter. Yeah, this week, and I'll talk about that coming up, but we kicked off Fridays in the Field. We did it last year. Last year was kind of the start of it, and we're back this year. We start the 2018 growing season, and we start right here in central Nebraska. I've got my grower, Andrew McCargon, talking about he is a popcorn grower. He also grows conventional and organic uh, corn and soybeans, so Kind of interesting to get filled in. Get you hungry now talking about popcorn here at the yeah. midday. So he'll be on at the 117. At 12:19, of course, we get our weather update. It is Friday. Stony Cooper is in again this week for Al Dutcher. So we'll see. Sounds like maybe some more chances of rain in the forecast, but the heat will be back as well. And then at our 12:45 newsmaker today is Clay Patton. He is talking. Um, Kansas is kind of looking at the hemp industry, and Colorado is, of course, um, dove into that project. So he's got an update there, um, growing hemp and what that can mean for Kansas and Colorado. Yeah, they say that uh, as long as uh, just a few people are growing it, it's a big cash crop until everybody (laughs) starts doing it. Uh, We'll find out what Clay has to say. Interesting stuff going on. And uh, now let's turn it over to Scott now. We've got the junior high future athletes going at it. Yeah, pretty cool event in Gothenburg. Uh, They've done this will be the ninth year they've done this. It's called the Nebraska Championship Meet, and it uh, it basically is the de facto junior high state championship. And uh, they get boy, we've seen a lot of great athletes. About eighteen, uh, well, forty two hundred athletes have come through there, and uh, some of them even went on to the Olympics. And uh, eighteen thousand spectators have watched it. I hope it warms up just a little bit for it tomorrow, but. Uh, that's a lot of fun. Uh, Nebraska baseball team is a series tonight against Indiana. Needless to say, they got to win. They yeah, got to win absolutely. a lot and get on a roll. Nebraska basketball team picked up a, a big, uh, well, actually, literally big six foot five guard, and so that'll help them out. And the Windy City series getting ready to start up in Major League Baseball. And Bob Brogan on business. Stocks are edging a little bit higher, and uh, also today, uh, Facebook rebounding from some of the recent controversy and that uh, it was involved in. Starbucks says it's going to open its bathrooms to everyone, whether you've bought anything or or not. So that's kind of making news today. Well, that's good news for everybody who needs it. This is Midday on the Rural Radio Network. 
Paul Perkins joins us here. He's taking a look at what happened and what we can expect. It's brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. It's a little segment we call Ag Weather, but I guess it affected more than just ag yesterday. Yeah, a lot of severe weather last night in the area. Some some of the highlights include an 87-mile-an-hour wind gust in Kearney County at Norman, which is just to the east of Minden. Wow. An 80-mile-an-hour wind gust reported at Axtell with these thunderstorms last night. Have any of uh, the investigations determined any uh, any twisters out there at all, or was this all straight wind? I think it's pretty much straight wind. Uh, I haven't seen any theme with the National Weather Service thinking that there was a potential of tornadoes or any kind of twisters. I know there were some gustnadoes blowing up last night, which is, of course, a, just a, maybe a little stronger dust devil. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, a lot of wind last night and a lot of lightning and a lot of areas seeing some substantial rain, but there were portions of south central Nebraska to the south of the Platte River hardly got any rain, right. especially to the south of Lexington. In Lexington, about an inch and a half of rain. A lot of locations right along and north of the interstate seeing about an inch to an inch and a half of rain. But to the south, uh, from Lexington, we're from Elwood down to Cambridge, they only saw maybe a few hundreds of rain. Also, the Hastings Airport only seeing a few hundreds of rain, but nearly half an inch of rain farther north of that towards the Hastings Weather Service wow. there. So, <laughs> And Scott over in Gothenburg can attest to the fact that if you get a 60 mile an hour wind <laughs> behind a round horse tank on its end, it will go a mile. <laughs> so, there you go. Paul, what do you have for us? Yeah, the magics of wind physics. I've seen that before. You never, all of a sudden, it's got a lot of strength. But looks like uh, we do have a wide variance in weather for today across our region. Right now, we're as low as 45 in the northwest part of Nebraska at Gordon, but as warm as 81 at uh, Salina and central portions of Kansas. A lot of our temperatures in Nebraska in the low and mid-50s. We have some upper 50s to the 70s over uh, Kansas, some upper 50s behind that front in northwest Kansas, but as warm as 77 currently at Concordia. We have that front. Currently draped from about southeast Nebraska into central Kansas. It's not going to move very far to the south, so our weather will remain unsettled through the weekend with that cold front. Mainly small chances of rain and thunderstorms expected to continue as we see weak waves of low pressure track to the east and that front keeping things a bit on the unsettled side. With that front farther southeast, though, that severe threat for weather will be much lower. Just a slight risk of severe weather expected over the southern Nebraska Panhandle, they're closer to an area of low pressure, but otherwise across the central plains, we're not expecting a big, severe weather potential, even right near that front over central and east Kansas. Temperatures will be about 10 degrees cooler than normal to the north of that front, but much warmer to the south. We're actually expecting a different, uh, quite a variance in temperatures for afternoon highs in central Nebraska, anywhere from about the upper 50s towards Broken Bow and Lexington to as warm as the mid-70s as you head towards Hebron. Next week, we're going to continue to see unsettled weather, and an area of low pressure will become stationary over the central Rockies. Several weak disturbances off that low will continue those mainly small thunderstorm chances as those disturbances track to the east. Timing of the thunderstorm chances will be difficult. Right now, it appears the best chance of thunderstorms coming up on Monday night and again on Thursday. Now, that might change from, from one forecast model to the next. It won't rain every day, but there will be at least some small rain chances. Temperatures will begin a gradual warm-up for early next week into the 70s and some 80s as that front continues to dissipate and move off towards the south. In the long-term forecast, that warm May weather will continue. We had a cold April, but it looks like our May weather is going to continue to be on the warmer-than-normal side. Temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas will be 
Warmer than normal Wednesday through May 24th. In mid to late May, daytime highs in central Nebraska are usually in the low to mid-70s, with overnight lows averaging in the low 50s. For precipitation, the outlook for at least slightly above normal rainfall in the forecast for Nebraska and Kansas Wednesday through the 24th. So at least with those warm temperatures, we're going to get some moisture. So temperatures at the 4-inch depth at 7 this morning in the mid to upper 40s in northwest and north-central Nebraska. Right along and just north of I-80, the soil temperatures in the low to mid-50s. South of I-80 in the northern Kansas, right around 60. South of I-70, most soil temperatures in the mid-60s. Weather factors in the market include continued rain delays for some areas of the Midwest and a better chance of rain across the southern plains. A short-lived surge of cool air will blanket much of the north and west U.S. into the weekend. But early next week, warm air will return to the north and leave much of the U.S. with above-normal temperatures. Rainy weather will continue for at least the next few days in the northern U.S. and further slow down the planting. Less than 10% of the corn is planted in Minnesota and the Dakotas. That compares with 74 to 78% of the corn planted in Missouri and Illinois. The forecast calls for increasing showers through central and northeast areas of the central and southern plains over the next five to seven days. That's going to help improve conditions for developing winter wheat in some areas and early planted summer crops. That moisture, though, little too late for the Texas wheat. According to the USDA and National Agricultural Statistics Service, approximately two-thirds of the Texas winter wheat will be abandoned. Wow. Yeah, devastating drought down there. Regional Ag Weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Wish we had some better news for Texas today. Uh, And uh, did I mention brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation? Now, uh, also, we're going to expand our regional coverage down to Warrensburg, Missouri, right now, where they've had some (laughs) storms. And they have uh, actually had to move a baseball game. The UNK Lopers are getting into a stay alive game with Central Oklahoma this afternoon, and that has been moved to 2 p.m. Central. Uh, 150 uh, will be the uh, the pregame start time with Jason Jorgensen, and that'll be heard on Country Legends 100.1 and Cami 1580 later on today. And when you need weather anytime, krvn.com. Our season-long series of Fridays in the Field. I'm Shaley Peters, joining you now on the Rural Radio Network as we take a midday look at ag news. Today's grower starts the season in central Nebraska near Chapman. It's Andrew McCarg. He talks about his operation and some of the things he plans to grow in 2018. Well, we got a lot of things coming up here in 2018. Um, we grow, like a lot of people in the area, we grow um, soybeans, yellow corn, um, we also grow uh, non-GMO white corn. We grow a lot of popcorn. Um, we also grow non-GMO soybeans. And this field behind us is going to be uh, organic popcorn this year. So a little, little bit of everything this year. McCarg said even though we got a late start to the season, as many area growers did, he's excited for what's in store, jumping into it. Yeah, I mean, like like everybody, it's been, uh, it was a late spring, you know, two weeks ago it was snowing and we just didn't know if we'd ever get going. Um, we're going now and it's just, I think the conditions are as good as they've ever been, um, but it is, you know, the almost the second week of May and 
Um, I'm optimistic about what we have in the ground, but we have a lot to plant yet. And if we started getting some rains, I'm a little concerned this is going to get stretched out. But I feel really good about what's been put in the ground. And Mother Nature pushed us back, but in some ways I think that was the best thing because we really, I think that the conditions have been good. Keep up with all of our Fridays in the Field coverage by visiting us on RuralRadio.com or following us on Twitter, liking us on Facebook. And another ag news to stay on top of the protein list. Beef has to constantly invest dollars into research and development. Clay Patton brings us more on what one research project the Kansas Beef Council has invested in. Research can get quite expensive. That is why Kansas has invested, along with five other states, into consumer research. Kevin Thielen is the executive director of the Kansas Beef Council, and he talks to us more about the most recent consumer research project that they are involved in. One of the things that the board's been looking at this spring is is some demand research that was brought to us by Kansas State University. And the researcher wanted us to take a deeper look into gathering kind of the ability to, to look at what demand data is monthly, to look at that demand data from retail, so grocery stores, but also food service, so restaurants, and, you know, ultimately maybe help us if we see, okay, demand's flipping here or demand for this cut or this product really doing well, we probably don't need to focus on it as much, so we'll put more resources in other areas as example. Knowing what cuts are favored can help to create future promotions and measure the effectiveness of past promotions. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Clay Patton. And a pilot program between a handful of high school FFA programs and a major seed company is attempting to sow the seeds for the future careers in agribusiness. The new agronomy curriculum program officially implemented at York High School in York, Nebraska in November has proven very successful with students teaming up with a sales representative and agronomist from Mycogen Seeds to learn the entire sales process for dealing corn seed. Cal Williams, who has served as FFA advisor at York High School for the past 21 years, said their partnership program with seed hybridizer Mycogen has been nothing short of phenomenal. He explained that Mycogen approached the school with a curriculum-based program for their students shortly after the beginning of the school year. After he and co-advisor Jason Hirschfield reviewed the materials and lesson plans, they decided the benefits of the experience for their students made the decision an easy one to make. You can find more on that story by visiting RuralRadio.com. You're listening to Ag News on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Shaylee Peters joining you now on the Rural Radio Network. And we visit this week in place of state climatologist Al Dutcher, Stoney Cooper. He is the Nebraska Mezzanine Manager. And Stoney, what can we expect headed into this weekend and next week weather-wise? Well, thank you very much, Shaylee. Uh, planting is well underway, and some of my neighbors here in eastern Nebraska have all their corn in. I'm sure folks in other parts of the state don't want to hear that. But the soil temperatures continue to increase. With our Nebraska mesonet probes sitting at four inches under the bare soil, we're showing near 60 all the way up in Harrison, Nebraska, to over 70 in southeastern Nebraska. Widespread rain Thursday night into Friday is welcome and will provide much-needed moisture. For Saturday, temperatures will start in the upper 40s across northern Nebraska and southern South Dakota to upper 60s in southern Kansas. There's a huge disparity in the highs on Saturday. With upper 50s in southern South Dakota to around 90 in southern Kansas. Showers will be spotty from eastern Wyoming along the I-80 corridor into I-1 Missouri. Rain chances overnight into Sunday across the western half of the listening area. Accumulations will be light. Temperatures Sunday morning range from the upper 40s in the north to 60s in southern Kansas. 
Sunday brings rain chances for your Mother Day, continuing in the west, with a 30% chance of rain from Goodland up to I-80, east to Omaha and points south. Highs in the 70s in the northern tier of the listing area to near 90 around Wichita. Overnight into Monday, clouds will increase. Lows will be upper 50s to low 60s throughout the region, with clouds helping to keep warmth at the surface overnight. Rain tapering off in the north but continuing in the south. Monday will see a decrease in clouds and rain in the west during the day, with highs in the 70s again throughout Nebraska and as warm as 90 in southern Kansas. Near two inches could possibly fall for the day in central Kansas, with showers and rain persisting throughout the eastern two-thirds of Nebraska. The west and north will dry out some more into Tuesday morning with lows in the 50s throughout Nebraska and western Kansas to near 70 in the east and south. Temps will warm into the 80s throughout the entire region with most rain falling east with an inch possible from the Clay Center area into western Iowa. Wednesday is a near carbon copy. The heaviest precipitation will fall in that same Clay Center to western Iowa track as the previous day with the exception of a potential for up to an inch around Sydney, Nebraska. Thursday morning starts mostly cloudy, with lows in the 50s north and 60s south. Rain looks to be falling throughout all but northeast Nebraska at some point during Thursday, with the heaviest amounts in the St. Francis, Kansas to Binkelman area, east along the border and south to Garden City. Highs will range from the 70s west and north to near 88 in southeastern Kansas. Friday brings the best chance of rain to the Panhandle and western sandhills of Nebraska up through the western half of South Dakota. Lows starting out in the upper 50s in the north to upper 60s in the south. Highs will echo the, those on Thursday, with the lowest highs being in the rainy areas of the west and warming with sunshine in the eastern half of the listening area. Last week, the Climate Prediction Center said that this coming week was going to be below normal precipitation and much warmer than normal temperatures. We're going to use that logic. We'll probably want to look at the opposite of what they're forecasting for the week after the 18th, where the CPC is saying that they're going to have above normal precipitation and above normal temperatures. We're going to follow that, then I guess it's going to be dry and normal. All right, thanks so much. Nebraska Mezzanine Manager Stoney Cooper in for Al Dutcher this week. For more, visit RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports. Here's Brandon Bennett. The Nebraska baseball team starts a series at home tonight versus Indiana. The Oscars are in just 10th place in the conference standings at 6-10, and 10, while the Hoosiers are 9-8 and 8 in conference action. First pitch tonight in Lincoln is set for 6.30 p.m. The MIAA baseball tournament continues in Warrensburg today. The University of Nebraska Kearney is playing in an elimination game against conference co-champion Central Oklahoma. If the Lopers lose, it'll be the final game in school history, as this is the last year for baseball at UNK. The Nebraska softball team, who currently sits at 31-23, and 23, had an attempt to come from behind last night against Michigan State in the first round of the Big Ten softball tournament. But the Huskers were unsuccessful, falling to the Spartans by a final score of 4-3. And you fell behind 4-0 at the end of the third inning before they fought back, scoring three runs in the fourth. But it wouldn't be enough. The Huskers had plenty of opportunities to put the Spartans away, though. The Huskers left 11 runners on base and went just 3-for-13 with runners in scoring position. The NCAA has informed the Nebraska Athletic Department that sophomore linebacker Breon Dixon has been granted a waiver and will immediately be eligible to compete in the 2018-2019 academic year. Dixon, a transfer from the University of Mississippi, has three seasons of eligibility remaining. 
Nebraska basketball picked up a big 2018 point guard commit on Thursday as Hagerstown, Maryland point guard Amir Harris announced his pledge to the Big Red. Harris visited Nebraska officially last week, which gives the Huskers their point guard of the future. The six foot five inch Harris is a three star prospect and had previously been committed to Rhode Island, but reopened his recruitment in October. In addition to Nebraska, Harris also visited Auburn and held scholarship offers from Cal, Oklahoma State, and others. Harris averaged 13.7 points, 6.7 rebounds, and 7.2 assists per game as a senior in high school last year. Oklahoma City Ford Nick Collison is retiring after 15 seasons and all with the same franchise. Collison was a first-round pick of the then-Seattle Supersonics back in 2003 out of Kansas and remained with the organization when it relocated to Oklahoma City. The 37-year-old Collison did not give a reason for retiring, only saying that he was blessed to have spent 15 years in the NBA. The 6-foot-10-inch Collison played in 910 career regular season games and 91 playoff games. Pro Football Hall of Famer Mike Singletary has been hired as the head coach of the Memphis franchise of the Alliance of American Football that will begin play next February. The former Chicago Bears linebacker previously coached for three NFL teams, including a head coaching stint with San Francisco. And the NSAA State Soccer Tournament continues at Omaha. Quarterfinal action today in Class B for the boys and Class A girls semis are set for tonight. That's a look at sports. Stay tuned. More of Midday is straight ahead. You're listening to the Rule Radio Network. Mostly cloudy today with a high near 59. For tonight, a 40% chance of showers and thunderstorms mainly after 1 a.m. Mostly cloudy with a low of around 46. And then for Saturday, there is a 30% chance of rain before 1 p.m. Otherwise, mostly cloudy with a high near 57. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Scott Foster. A new video game developed by a team of UNL students is designed to address farming sustainability. Alex Wojcicki has the details. Agpocalypse 2050 incorporates video games with agriculture. The game is part of a project that required students to come up with a software-driven solution to a problem. Team member J.P. Fowler explains the problem and solution their team came up with. The idea is that the world population will grow to 9 billion by uh, 2050 and we have to learn how to feed everyone with sustainable farming techniques. And we're developing an educational game that will be used in classrooms to try to teach students how to sustainably farm. Fowler explained more about what the game would look like as a player. You would be playing alongside all of your other classmates, all your peers, trying to increase production of of food. And all of your individual decisions would affect everyone else. So, you know, you grow just a ton of corn. You flood the market with corn drives down corn prices. How does that affect all the other players? Agpocalypse 2050 is designed for students to understand dynamics between food, energy, and water, all necessary to feed a growing population. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Alex Wojcicki. The Nebraska Championship track meet takes place in Gothenburg tomorrow. This unique event serves as the state championship for junior high track athletes and has brought in thousands of athletes over the last eight years of its existence. Jim Clark is the director of the event, and he said that they wanted to give junior high athletes the opportunity to get the feel of a real track meet. And I thought, these kids, if they could ever see what a real track meet feels like and the atmosphere around it, I think they'd fall in love with it in a heartbeat. So we really try to make it very special because these these kids are very special. And, and the more that we can help them out and give them what a big meet feels like, hey, it, it just serves itself. Over 4,000 students have participated in the event and 18,000 have watched.
Field events start at 11 o'clock on Saturday at the high school. A new Kansas law makes it illegal for police to have sex with people they stop for traffic violations or during criminal investigations. Kansas legislators who passed the bill say they were surprised to learn that such activity wasn't already illegal in Kansas. The Wichita Eagle reports Kansas was one of 33 states where consensual sex between police and people in their custody is not a crime. Current radar plus your 10-day forecast anytime. Just tap the app or click weather at krvn.com. From the News Center, I'm Scott Foster. Kansas Governor Jeff Collier signed Senate Bill 263 in April to enact the Alternative Crop Research Act allowing the Kansas Department of Agriculture to oversee the cultivation of industrial hemp in a research program. The Kansas Department of Ag has begun the process of developing rules and regulations to guide the Alternative Crop Research Act and is now holding public hearings on the possibility of industrial hemp in Kansas. We learn more about the industrial hemp industry on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. To understand what is happening in the hemp industry, we're talking with Dwayne Sinning, Plant Division Director at the Colorado Department of Agriculture, and Dwayne has helped oversee the Colorado industrial hemp industry since its inception over four years ago. And Dwayne, as we start here, thank you for joining us today. Just give us a brief overview of the Colorado industrial hemp industry as it stands today. So today it continues to grow. Uh, we are right now, uh, we're, we're taking in a number of applications, about 20 to 25 every day. Uh, but the last time I looked, we had a little over 21,000 acres outdoor registered and 3.7 million square feet indoor registered. That's up considerably from 2014 where we had... Uh, about 1,800 acres uh, registered outdoors and uh, about 600,000 square feet indoors, so significantly different. And as these other states look to consider industrial hemp and allowing it to be grown in their states, now Colorado, obviously, for having it over several years, has there been some bumps along the way that have been kind of tricky to navigate, or has it been fairly smooth sailing? Well, I think in any industry, hemp's no exception. Anything that emerges this fast out of... uh, uh, out of nowhere, uh, there are bumps both for the regulating community and the industry itself. So, uh, yeah, I'd say there's been plenty of bumps along the road, uh, but we have been very fortunate to have an industry that's uh, been very open and honest with us and worked through the issues. And and uh, so, no, I, I think I think overall smooth. But I always joke there's a lot of blood in the parking lot in anything that moves this fast. And, Dwayne, for folks that are are listening, uh, industrial hemp is not for recreational use, but it has many industrial purposes. What is the marketplace for Colorado hemp? So I think uh, Colorado, like every state that's followed us almost, sees the uh, CBD market uh, probably the fastest to emerge. And that's because the cost of processing is relatively small and the price of the good is uh, the product is relatively high. So it's it's the uh, early emerging part of the industry almost everywhere. What we're seeing now, though, are other segments of the industry have, have started to emerge. Uh, grain, you know, used for human food has uh, has been a very fast expanding part. We're seeing, you know, people putting in circle pivots uh, for grain harvest. Uh, and we're also seeing in some areas where building materials, fiber use has become a mainstay of, of what they're doing. So I think it, it really depends largely the industry itself will emerge based on what processing facilities are there. 
And for uh, this industry that's grown so quickly in Colorado, infrastructure, is infrastructure behind it, the processing plants for the raw hemp, have they been able to keep pace with production? I think, you know, I always look at this as, you know, uh, the chicken and the egg syndrome. A processor that's going to invest $2 million, he's got to have enough hemp, you know, being produced to be worth uh, putting, investing that kind of money. And the farmer in turn also says, boy, why should I grow this crop if I don't have a processor? So it's really working out those partnerships, and we've seen here where... It has been a ratchet up. You know, the first few years they doubled in size, but 5,000 acres doesn't, doesn't move a lot of, you know, if you're looking at fiber for insulation or something, it's not a lot of acres for that. So it's ratcheting up, and now it's really exploding. And, Dwayne, for folks that are curious to know more, where does the Colorado Department of Ag put some resources for hemp growers if they want to research this further? So you can go to our website, Colorado Department of Ag, um, and, and if you scroll down, there'll be a plants division, and under there, there'll be a hot button for industrial hemp, and there'll be everything from quick facts to how our registration process and our actually registration documents, you can look up and see which counties have the, have the most growers, um, and, and we provide the contact information for some of those grow, for all those growers. So if, if somebody were to reach out, they may be able to actually reach out to somebody that's doing it and see how they're doing. Final question. Overall, producers' reaction to hemp, were they a little skittish at first, now fully embracing, or has it been a pretty smooth uh, transition for producers wanting to grow hemp? I think it's, you know, I think a little skittish at first. I think that first year it was, it was people that were pretty committed to it and had a strong backbone and were willing to, willing to push forward and, and, and test the limits. Uh, we saw most of our early, uh, adopters being close to universities in what I'd call semi-urban, semi-rural areas. They were five acres and two acres. But now we're seeing that, uh, you know, that those folks have tested the market. We're seeing it, uh, this crop move to what I would call more traditional agricultural areas. That again, Dwayne Sinning, Plant Division Director at the Colorado Department of Agriculture. Kind of giving us an overview of the Colorado industrial hemp industry, kind of from the beginning to where it stands now, the growth, the challenges it's seen as other states like Kansas and Nebraska look to adopt industrial hemp. Keep listening to the Rural Radio Network. Let's get a review of the livestock futures trade. Comments from Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe. Yeah, kind of an exciting day over the cattle today. Uh, uh, Went from uh, sharply lower to come back all the way to uh, close mostly higher. So uh, what a ride we had uh, in the cattle. Uh, Really, I think, due to the fact that uh, the cattle that are trading uh, in the cash are... uh, uh, a little bit better, steady to a little bit better than uh, than anticipated, and that uh, really brought the futures back in a hurry because we had triple-digit losses there at one time, and uh, they did manage to come back and close higher for the week. Cutouts were basically about steady, uh, so uh, no uh, no harm there. Uh, the feeders, though, they did not make it back uh, to close. Uh, higher on the day and not even higher on the week, despite the fact that corn uh, was under uh, pretty good pressure uh, as long with, along with the other grades. But uh, they did come back off their lows, well off their lows, but still not enough to, 
to get back higher in the day. Hogs, under some pretty good pressure, uh, uh, particularly in the summer months, the, uh, uh, they do close higher for the week. Uh, cutouts were higher once again, but uh, Monday we lose the uh, May contract as it, as it expires, puts the June in the lead. Uh, with just about a $10 premium, and that, that's uh, why I think we saw the uh, pressure on the uh, hogs today. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. You can call him at 800-328-0134. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Once again this year with Fridays in the Field. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network. We are so excited to be bringing you this series as we follow growers all over the state. And I kick off this week with my grower here in central Nebraska near Chapman. It's Andrew McCarg. And Andrew, a funky start to 2018 to say the least. And we'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit. But Andrew, just start by telling us about your operation here in central Nebraska. Yeah, well, we got a lot of things coming up here in 2018. Um, we grow, like a lot of people in the area, we grow um, soybeans, yellow corn. Um, we also grow uh, non-GMO white corn. We grow a lot of popcorn. Um, we also grow non-GMO soybeans. And this field behind us is going to be uh, organic popcorn this year. So a little, little bit of everything this year. And that's one of the reasons I chose you, Andrew, is because you're kind of a testament to there's room in agriculture for everyone. And so talk more about what it's like growing these organic crops, popcorn, diversifying in that way. Yeah, so the main thing, I mean, like you said, I mean, it, it's just, it's a lot easier to just grow yellow corn and soybeans because it's known, everybody's doing it, it's easy to do just a little bit of talking and understand what it takes to do it. Popcorn and organic both take just a lot more research, a lot more time involved, and popcorn isn't so much different than corn, but it's kind of like farming corn 40 years ago because it's, you know, there's no BT traits, it's just a lot more susceptible to wind, hail, disease, and so it just takes a lot more attention to detail, but it can really reward you for that. You mentioned those challenges, Andrew. Expand on that and kind of what it takes when you're growing outside of that conventional realm. Right, yeah. So in in the popcorn specifically, you know, right now we got the planter going and we got fertilizer happening and this, you know, the seed is just, just like any crop, the start is the most crucial part. And with popcorn, it's just can be really hard to plant properly. So it takes, we've invested money and time into our planter and we probably spend more time behind the planter digging and trying to get that just perfect for popcorn and then also just researching out good chemical programs good insecticide programs and then just timeliness you know waiting sometimes it's hard to wait for the perfect temperature but on popcorn you know that ground temperature that you know, just all the factors that go into it really you have to wait for that ideal time to go ahead and go with popcorn. All right. And as we look at the 2018 growing season expectations, are you excited? As I mentioned, kind of a rough start or an interesting start. But what are your expectations here jumping into it? Yeah. I mean, like like everybody, it's been uh, it was a late spring, you know, two weeks ago it was snowing and we just didn't know if we'd ever get going. Um, we're going now and it's just I think the conditions are as good as they've ever been. 
Um, but it is, you know, the almost the second week of May, and um, I'm optimistic about what we have in the ground, but we have a lot to plant yet, and if we started getting some rains, I'm a little concerned this is going to get stretched out. But I feel really good about what's been put in the ground, and Mother Nature pushed us back, but in some ways I think that was the best thing because we really, I think that the conditions have been good. All right. Thank you so much. It's Andrew McCarg, our Fridays in the Field Grower near Chapman, Nebraska. As we kick off this series into the 2018 growing season, follow along with us right here on the Rural Radio Network, but also at RuralRadio.com, on Facebook, and on Twitter. I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Grains were lower today. Looks like the losses percentage-wise led by soybeans and Kansas City wheat. And let's talk more about it with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. You want to start with Kansas City wheat since it suffered its sixth straight session loss? Yeah, giving back basically, oh, I'd say three-quarters of the move that we put in place from late April. So rally from April 24th to really May, early part of May, almost 60 cents, 70 cents, and it's given back now 50 of that. So uh, I think that's setting the tone for the rest of the grain complex. I, you know, I'm baffled a little bit about how it's, it's selling off so quickly. I, I'm talking to a lot of people who are bailing hay down in Texas and Oklahoma. So um, folks I work with on the merchandiser side down in Texas, seeing a lot of bushels coming their way. So I think at some point here you're going to see a run on protein, but uh, um, it, it hasn't seen anything yet. There's an uptrend line that comes in right around the 510, 515 area. I expect we'll test that next week. But might be some better news given uh, some good talk about NAFTA and, and China's going to be in town to discuss some negotiations on the tariff. So all of that rising tide could pull the wheat higher, although I do think we'll probably run another time down. It appears that when you look at this picture today, another of those Friday risk-off days. Yeah, it was from the jump. Everything was down, and very rarely do you look up and see everything down, from crude oil to the stock market to uh, feeder cattle, everything was in the red this morning. And uh, it, uh, you know, it, it did survive. I, I wouldn't be... Uh, claiming to be impressed with the trade today, but uh, it was simply liquidation. You've seen a lot of spec longs coming out of the trade after a, you know, the expectation of a bullish report, and now we're giving back some of the gains. Folks are taking profits. We did cover the gap from the roll, so we got kind of that objective full. Now it'll be about holding moving averages. The next one comes down, oh, a dime below here. It'll be about the 50-day and then the 100-day, a little below that. I don't think we're going to run too low here, but you know the, the the report yesterday was a was a new crop story, and you know it's it's weird. This year is going to be one of those years where you're going to have more supply around the harvest from old crop than you will in the next harvest. So we could actually have a squeeze on on supply come spring rather than uh, you know the the kind of use of the harvest bounce we've seen around September one. And it didn't seem that the outside markets had much of an influence. No, no, they didn't. But I, there was talk that. Uh, you know, Trump was kind of rattling the sabers and NASA this morning, and uh, you know, we got the the Australian, not the Australian currency. I'm sorry, the Argentinian currency is just skyrocketing. It's getting so weak against the U.S. dollar, and that's just creating a lot of incentive to buy down there. And their farmers are, you know, going to be selling into that type of action. Thanks for the comments. Have a good weekend, John. John Payne, senior marketing analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. <laughs> 